Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! back and bigger than ever it's the unofficial 40 from soonerscoop.com now here's the entire sooner scoop crew carrie josh eddie and bob all right it is a special edition of the unofficial 40 pre-signing day edition and the entire gang is here but the thing that's going to make most people happy and including myself is this will be the easiest pod I've ever done because I'm basically just going to shut up here in a second and let Bob and Josh and Eddie uh, handle the recruiting. I've been fielding <laughs> calls. You guys will appreciate this, uh, Josh. I don't how many how many interview requests have you fielded so far this week? You know that's a, it surprises me a little bit. I've probably got five or six scheduled for the next twenty four hours, but usually it's more than that. I don't know quite what that what that says, but it's a little more. Uh, just a little calmer than it usually would be, which is kind of surprising because OU actually has things happening on signing day. Maybe maybe people are just taking mercy on me. I don't know what it is. Well, uh, either that or just newspapers are dying slowly. Uh, that could be it. Uh, but, you know, I think it's finally gotten to the point, guys, where the the mainstream media, the regular media, the newspaper people have realized, like, this is signing day. Like, th- remember the first year or two, it was like, uh, the second signing day came, and everybody was like, okay, tell me about signing day. And you're like, it already happened. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, <laughs> everybody signed. There's like two people left. And they're like, are you serious? Like, they just didn't get it. Now they, I think they're starting to get it now. Well, and do you remember on year one, like, ever, there was all this trepidation about would they sign early? Will they not sign early? And then I think all but like one of OU's commitments signed early, if I remember right. And it was like this big deal. Was, and now uh, that's just the expectation. It's, it's, it's weird when they don't sign. It was Travion Johnson and Tavion Thomas. And surprise, surprise, neither, neither was part of the class. That bastard Tavion Thomas. Well, I mean. We could have yeah, seen you, Brian Osamoah. We could have seen Brian Osamoah. We chose you. <laughs> we stayed in Cincinnati for your ass. And to be fair, my anus Osamoa paid committed. for it by White Castle in the middle of the night. <laughs> to be oh. fair, Osamoah committed Wednesday night of that week. So if you had things planned already, it's too late. So, signing day is coming up tomorrow. We thought we'd put together a quick uh, unofficial 40 uh, to uh, preview it. Josh has things to do. He has family fun time. Uh, th- three years old? Is that where we're at today with little Laney? Yeah. L- L- uh, Layla. Layla. Layla is three today. Little Layla. So, That's just like uh, yeah. me to confuse yeah, it, your oh, kids' hey. names. Hey, I, I do it. I like, like Layla last night. I, she goes, I'm not Laney. I'm Layla. Like she's very, <laughs> I butcher it all the time. So it, it's completely it's nice acceptable. To know. It's nice to know the man whose sperm created them can't keep them apart. So, 
Um, yes, no, no. Oh, it's terrible. They everyone messes up their names. We didn't think that was like the one thing, and it was never a plan to have the same first names, but everybody butchers that. Like now, it's just, like is, it wasn't something we thought of. Does Layla like speak fluent Spanish because Linda is always the one taking care of her? <laughs> Uh, Linda was actually here today. Um, she she was cleaning up. That Linda's poor like, lady. Oh, Mr. I didn't Josh, she was. Mr. Josh, your house is so nice. I need a raise. <laughs> Did she call you Mr. Josh? I kind of keep waiting for it. No, I I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure she knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Eddie? I missed um, it. Instead of Mister, I believe it is Senor. <laughs> Senior Josh. Josh. Uh, there's a reason um, why no, Speedy Gonzalez is canceled. All right. This this poor lady, I didn't realize she was doing it, but we have a you know a camera on our back patio, um, so we can see whatever James Harden's doing. Like we, he's yeah. a little sketchy. Like it's uh-huh. a not trusted in the neighborhood. So we keep an eye on James. Well, you know um, the strippers are coming but, in and out all the time because he's in quarantine now. They have to I, come to him. It is. It's a steady diet. There's no doubt. Um, but no, uh, I didn't realize it. So she obviously can't lock our front door, but we have one of those, you know, wireless locks. So like it's programmed to our, our, uh, our internet and we can, you know, we can lock it after she leaves. Well, I, I guess I hadn't noticed the last three or four weeks since we've been here that she's going out our backyard. Well, our backyard has not been planed right, and it's going to have to be regraded because it, it pools water. Well, it's been raining in Houston for like two straight days. This poor lady had to walk, uh, poor Linda had to walk out of our backyard with like shopping bags tied to her feet so she wouldn't get her feet all dirty and gross walking through our boggy-ass backyard. I felt really bad. So, Linda, if you're because out there listening, Mr. I Josh really am sorry. Josh yells at me when so. I drag mud into the house. Don't we don't bring mud in the house, Linda? We don't do it. And if and Linda knows damn good and well it's not me. (laughs) Okay. Um. So I'm going to do what I said I would do and shut up and uh, allow you to to. Well, first of all, I'll say this: I am getting those calls from people like, okay, what's going on in recruiting? Which is kind of annoying. Uh, but. Some of them are friends, so they're not that annoying. But basically, uh, I guess we have a few things to talk about. We have Tristan Lee. We have Savion Bird. We have Kamar Wheaton. We have Bryce Foster. What am I? What else is there? And then, Bob, you can that, take over. You've got yeah, what, Jordan really Gilbert, and now we've, yeah. And then, what, Jadarius Perkins, I guess, kind of threw a wrench out there today. Bob loves talking about social. You can tell him, Bob. <laughs> so, Josh, let's start with the day itself because there's only one announcement that's actually going to happen Wednesday. Savion Bird, what is what is new between OU and SMU? I, you know, there's no question that over the last week there has been kind of a momentum shift from Oklahoma towards SMU. I mean, guys like Sam Spiegelman, uh, Jason Sukamel, even Jimmy Smith from our LSU side who had, who had had an LSU prediction on Savion Bird for a while has shifted his to SMU. I'm one of two or three guys that has remained with Oklahoma. Now, that said, I'm not real confident on where I stand on that. I, it's, 
It's an interesting story because basically I think what everyone is hearing is pretty much coming from the same place. And I think a lot of people can probably guess where that place is. <laughs> and it's just an interesting situation because is there an attempt to make this a big splash thing and make it bigger than it is and maybe make it, you know, maybe build some excitement for other guys that might be watching a player like Savion Bird and saying, well, oh, if, if this guy's serious about SMU, you should be too, you know, trying to make that kind of stuff work. I, that's, that's really all I can go on because everything else tells you it's SMU. Um, I know talking to a lot of people, there's a lot of be- belief around Norman that mom actually likes Oklahoma. Mom would rather him be at Oklahoma. She has a really good relationship with Bill Biedenboe. But at the same time, there's so much family connection to SMU because of the coaching staff, the stuff we've talked about before. I don't know if that's going to be enough. And so we'll, we'll have to watch it. If you made me pick right now, I would pick SMU. But I don't have certainty about anything because he's a quiet kid anybody that i think says they know what he's going to do i think is kidding themselves a little bit josh Josh. just real quick could you just remind folks what the connections to dallas are with savion bird obviously sure sure yeah yeah yeah. well again you know and eddie's right i i kind of always gloss over stuff like that with uh the head coach at Duncanville is Reginald Samples. His son, Rashad Samples, who played for him when he was the head coach at Dallas Skyline, uh, Rashad went on to play at Oklahoma State, uh, left there, I think, after two years, and then has kind of bounced around, ended up as a, uh, as a GA, basically, at Texas, and is now the running backs coach at SMU. Well, that's a pretty direct line between Duncanville, a major national powerhouse, and SMU, which kind of explains how SMU could even be involved in this recruitment because other almost under almost no other circumstance is SMU ever going to compete with Oklahoma for a recruit. So this is where they're at, and, and this, is, this is the problem. I mean, Oklahoma may lose this out based on nothing about merit, based on nothing about, you know, oh, you didn't recruit him hard enough. None of those things. Just... There's a family connection that has helped SMU out to land a player that, you know, let's be honest, they probably just shouldn't be landing. So we'll, we'll see what comes of it. Now, obviously, SMU is aided somewhat by having a big-time quarterback commitment, Preston Stone. Uh, his father is an SMU alum. So there's kind of a lot of kind of – it's a spider's web that kind of connects Bird and SMU and those kind of things. And I'm, I'm certainly not saying that there's anything bad going on. It's just there's a lot of connections kind of behind the scenes – so, like I said, I, I think there is still reason to think Oklahoma can win this, but if I'm betting right now, I'm betting on SMU. You know, Josh, when we brought this up last week, what you said is OU would still take them, but you didn't get this feeling that they were actually you know, pushing for them as hard as, as you might think. It's been a few, a few days since. Has that mindset changed at all, or do you still feel like this is – someone that OU wants but has accepted the fact that if he doesn't come here, that's that's okay. I I think that's something they're going to live with. I don't I don't think Oklahoma is uh, is particularly uh, wound up either way. I mean, don't get me wrong, Savion Bird's a huge upside guy, but he has a lot of work to go from here to there. So, I, I, and I think that's kind of what they're looking at because, you know, guys, and I've said it over and over again, when I talk to people, I definitely get the impression – Whatever this team needs to do to gear up for 2021 and be as ready as they can be for that, that I think is a primary focus. So 
That's why this class may only be 17 kids. There's a very realistic possibility that that's what's going to happen. And if that's the case, people are going to be like, oh, what have they done? They should have had all these backup plans. Guys, when I'm talking to people, and I mean, I, you know, I mentioned to you guys in our group chat last night, I've talked to several well-placed sources that are telling me the transfer portal is going to be absolutely bananas. There are going to be players that everybody knows, big-time elite guys that were either already becoming good college players or were elite high school recruits that are going to be on the market. And I have been told at multiple positions there are guys that have already started to hit up Oklahoma that haven't even entered the portal yet. And I don't want to say that like Oklahoma's doing something wrong. They're just, you know, they're sliding into the DMs, as the uh, as the kiddies would say. Um, these are guys reaching out to Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma can't say anything until those guys are in the portal, but they are making it clear there is some interest out there from some very, very good players at multiple positions. Okay, listeners, you said 17. We're at, we're at 15. We're going to assume Kamar Wheaton. We'll assume Tristan Lee. So does that mean somehow Bryce Foster isn't picking OU on Friday? I, I'm i really kind of shocked that I am where I am. And I about 10 minutes before we started the pod, I actually flipped my forecast from Oklahoma that it's been since the spring to now Texas A&M. And just I've talked to enough people, um, talked to people that, I, that know and that feel like they, they're, they're confident about where things are. I, I just expect it to be Texas A&M on Friday. I think Oklahoma did all it could. I mean, this is not, you know, Savion Bird, you can argue, okay, maybe Oklahoma could have, you know, pushed on him a little harder, could have done some things, maybe closed him back in the, the summer when they were really seemed like they were close to a commitment. Bryce Foster, they fired every bullet they had to fire. There, there's nothing more that could have been done. Like I said, you know, I, I talked to some sources even this afternoon that were basically like it, it's really hard to win for a recruit when nobody in the house is, is for you. I mean, they, they, it was we're recruiting the player, and it's almost impossible to recruit mom and dad because mom and dad want him at A and M, and that's and that's okay. Like that, I mean, I know mom and dad are great people, but that's just where they're comfortable. That's where they would like to see him go if all things are equal. And I don't think it was a deal where. He wasn't allowed to go to Oklahoma. It was just they'd rather have him at A&M, and I think that's what's going to end up happening. And, uh, I, you know, you'll, we'll never know because Bryce is a great kid, and he would never say, well, you know, all things being equal, I would have gone to Oklahoma. He's just not going to do that. But talking to enough people, I, I get the impression that if it was just his his choice, Oklahoma had a lot better chance than it looks like they're going to have here over the last 48 hours or so. You know, it's it, it's funny that the way that that goes down, because I think that for the longest time that a lot of people thought that was going to be the hump that Oklahoma was going to have to get over. They were going to have to get over the family thing. But, you know, as you got closer to signing day, I think that when there wasn't a whole lot of people, I guess, changing their tune, you kind of thought, all right, OU's going to get over the hump. He made the visit uh, almost unprompted, wanted to keep it quiet. There was this belief that Caleb Williams was going to be able to kind of pull something, uh, you know, a rabbit out of the hat, if you will. But it, it just like I, I don't think that like I, I feel like Oklahoma fans in a way are going to take this out on Bryce Foster. And maybe I'm just talking out of uh, pure fear of what could happen on how this goes down, that like there's going to be people that almost feel like Bryce Foster is some type of a 
I don't know, like a liar almost, when really maybe they were believing something that wasn't there for the entirety. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I don't want anyone, like Bryce is a kid I've come to know really well. This is a great kid. I mean, just an absolute top-shelf guy. And I, it, it's just not fair to him because, again, the, the kid gets to do what he wants to do. And I think I, – I don't think there's any question there were a large portion of this recruitment – that Oklahoma was not just a perceived leader. They were the leader. I mean, like, he never said it. Any, but just talking to the right people, I, 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 I don't think that is a false claim. I think that's just where it was. I think over time, when it gets time to make a decision, when you're just talking about it kind of as an idea, it's very easy to say, oh, I could go here, or I could go there, I could go to Oregon, I could go to Oklahoma, I could go to any of these places. But when you start thinking about it and you start thinking about not play, passing up on the opportunity of playing at the school you dreamed of going to since you were a little boy, that's, that gets tougher. That, that, it's just harder. And especially when the people around you feel the same way. They, they think, oh, man, you know, we wanted to watch you in the maroon and white and we wanted to see you on Kyle Field and all those things. That, that's tough, man. That's tough to walk away from. We've seen that work in OU's favor plenty of times. So it, it, it's just one of these things that goes both ways. And uh, again, I mean, like I said, I don't think anybody's in the wrong here. And again, I mean, maybe, maybe Bryce Foster shocks me and I, and I'm just hearing things wrong, but I just, I don't get the impression Based on what I'm hearing, the momentum just doesn't seem to be moving in the right way, in my opinion. The, the, the next obvious question, I think, would be as well as far as Bryce Foster goes, how much do you think that, I don't want to call it a renaissance by any means, but it's seemingly from the outside looks like that things are moving in the right direction in College Station. I know that that's not going to be the most popular thing, but being number five, number six, whatever they're going to be in uh, the in the college football playoff tonight when it comes out, that certainly had to play a little bit in a part as far as a belief that if I'm even going to take this chance, if I am going to go to a school that maybe hasn't had the success Oklahoma has, I need something out there to validate my reasoning. How much do you think that the season was for, for A&M to play like they have, be in the position that they are going into this 21 class? Oh, I think it's huge, Eddie. I don't think there's any question that if A&M had fired off another, you know, five – 550, 600 winning percentage and just kind of look like a middle of the road SEC West team that this, that anything would have mattered here. I, I, I think at that point, it's really hard for you to choose Texas A&M over Oklahoma. They're just other than I grew up a fan there. What, what is the argument to be made? What, what is the thing you're hanging your hat on? Well, now you look at it and Texas A&M has one of the better run offenses in the league has a talented young running back and, uh, you know, former OU commitment Isaiah Spiller. And then you throw in the fact that Kenyon Green is an Outland finalist as a sophomore. And where does Kenyon Green come from? Houston. Like there is just a lot of things here that really lined up well for Texas A&M over the last couple of months. And that's, that's the way recruiting goes sometimes. I mean, it just is what it is. And I know I tell everybody, Hey, what's happening on the field doesn't matter nearly as much to these recruits as it matters to you. And that's normally the case because I'm talking to fans. But when the recruit is a fan, that's different because they will react emotionally to, to the same things that a fan will. That, that's because they're the same. They're made up of the same fibers. They care about the same things. So you get some of these reactions where, you know, 
there's not a lot of evidence to tell you that Oklahoma and A&M are doing similar things on the offensive line except for this year. But if that's enough to make you believe because you want to believe, then then you're going to. And like I said, that doesn't make anybody a bad guy. That makes – I mean, you would think fans could relate to that, if anything else, because right now, if you're a defensive lineman and you're choosing Oklahoma or Alabama, sure, Oklahoma's having a great year, but, I mean, you look at the history and you're going to assume – You've got a better luck at Alabama, but if you're a if you grew up an OU fan, you're going to choose to believe that OU's you know the next twenty years is going to reign dominance on the defensive line. Very yeah, much well, feels like a Creed Humphrey situation. Like he grew up in Oklahoma. I think the idea that you know he was going to go the opposite way and go to College Station just it, it it's it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow for Oklahoma fans, but at the same time you have to be realistic. And I know that's. The ultimate irony right there. <laughs> when we looked at, at signing day, it seemed like this was going to be the offensive line explosion. Bird, Foster, Tristan Lee. Now it seems maybe not so much with Bird and, and Foster. Tristan Lee's just coming back from a trip to Florida. Expected to announce January 2nd. But I think we all believe, and I think you have good sources to believe that Tristan Lee will actually sign during the next three days is OU at least going to get one of these big of these big three? Uh, yeah, and if you guys you look back on this, and if you would have told me in June that between Tristan Lee, Bryce Foster, and Savion Bird, Oklahoma's going to get Tristan Lee and nobody else, I would not have believed you. I, I I would have told you he was the third most likely, and now that's what it looks like it's going to happen. So uh, yeah, and, and again. It does sound like, and uh, talking to sources both on Lee's side of things and talking to a couple of the schools involved, it does sound like the expectation is he will sign tomorrow. Now, or excuse me, on Wednesday, when it, whenever you may be listening to this. So we will see what happens. Maybe something changes. But also talking to some places, I know most expect this to be Oklahoma. Now, I was told the Florida visit went really well, even, even with the Florida loss. You wonder... Guys, I've kind of wondered about this. On these visits these guys are taking, when they go and see a bad performance, is it not as negative because they can't be around the players and coaches? Like, they don't have to see how miserable it is in the locker room and go out and try to have fun on a visit weekend when the, when the spirit just sucks. And it's just, there's no fun. Like, does it take some of the sting out of that loss? And, you know, and the fan, there's not 80,000 fans booing in the swamp, you know, whatever. There's all these things that can make a visit when a loss happens feel crappy and really ruin your, your whole perception of a visit. I wonder if maybe this, that gets mitigated a little bit because there aren't, there isn't such a human element in these visits. But, uh, that, that's kind of an aside, but really, like I said, I, I think this is going to come down to Oklahoma and Florida. He has some family that's around Gainesville. Kind of, I think in the Orlando area is what I've been told. So there are there are some things that connect in there, uh, but I, I still I, I I've heard nothing that makes me think Oklahoma's in real danger here. You know, so it's, go ahead, Bob. I was just going to say. So as we head into signing day itself and if they don't add any anyone wednesday or friday what's the overall perception of 
the class? Did they do what they needed to do? Or is this another class where it feels like they did a lot, but there was still so much that was still there on the table that they just couldn't quite get done? I, I think, I mean, I don't think fans are going to be wrong to feel like there are some there are some bullets that weren't fired that probably Oklahoma had a chance to close a couple of times and you just didn't feel like they quite did it. Um, you know, you look at, at the offensive line with potentially two signees, one of them being, you know, uh, one of the nation's elite tackles, which is great, and the other being Colin Montgomery, who's a good player, but is going to need some time, needs to trim up, has some bad weight, wasn't the best offensive lineman on his own high school team. I mean, that, that's things that you're like, nah, that's, that's a concern. That's a problem. So we'll have to see. Now, again, with the numbers Oklahoma has signed on the offensive line in the last two classes, it's not like there's a, a huge numbers game problem. And like I said, I think Oklahoma is saying, okay, we're not going to go chase just anybody on the offensive line to fix these problems. Let's go see what's out there in the transfer portal. There's going to be some players. Look at Chris Murray. I mean, since Chris Murray arrived, everyone's excited about him. Everyone thinks he's going to be a player. You guys have heard the same stuff I have. There's just no question they believe if if Creed Humphrey chooses to enter the NFL draft, they're going to be fine at center. They really like him. So they're hoping that you know they're going to find a couple more guys like that that can help, can come in and compete, maybe push Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson, along with you know having Andrew Rame a year older. Uh, you've got Aaron Parks. Marcus Alexander was a guy that not that long ago there was a lot of buzz about. So oh, there, there are several play- pieces that you think are going to be fine. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at it. They're at linebacker signing one player. That That's concerning to me. I, you know, and it's not that there isn't some good talent there, but – after next year, I mean, you could be out without Caleb Kelly, Robert Barnes, Deshaun White, uh, you know, Brian Mead. I mean, and then if anyone transfers those underclass, you don't, you might not have enough to fill the two deep. I mean, and that's when you only have two linebackers, that is a staggeringly small number. So, like I said, they're going to have to address it. Obviously, have a strong start with Kobe McKenzie in 2022. But there, I mean, you do feel like there were a few holes that could have been addressed. And I think the one, maybe everybody else will point to is it safety where you really thought Oklahoma needed maybe two, maybe three quality guys. And as things stand right now, they're going to get Jordan Mukes, who is a talented guy, but is a very raw player that is going to need a year or two to really get his feet underneath him. It's super interesting. And Lincoln talked about it a little today, uh, as far as Tuesday goes, because he's talking to the media as far as the big 12 championship week goes. But I, I thought what he said was really interesting as far as the weirdness and I think everybody kind of knows the weirdness that went into this recruiting cycle they haven't been able able to get out and see guys in person they haven't been able to do in-person evaluations which I know is important to uh, the recruiting staff in Norman but you know you kind of circle back on it a couple times Josh as far as the transfer portal what that brings to Oklahoma it's obviously something that they're familiar with it's just almost interesting that do you, do you feel like recruiting is changing like before our eyes? I know that's kind of a big picture question, and we need to still get into Kamar Wheaton, but do you feel like things have just completely changed on its head as far as the way that not only staffs are going to go about recruiting, but maybe you do sign smaller classes to give yourself an ability to be active in a transfer portal at some points in a season? OU fans are not going to want to hear this on signing day when they didn't land all the players they wanted to land. And, you know, the funny thing about this is 
listen to this conversation. If you would have told OU fans that they are going to close with four or five stars, one of them on the offensive line at offensive tackle where there was a huge need, and that there was going to be one of the highest star rating, you know, like average star ratings that Oklahoma's ever had, and they're going to be pissed off, that tells you where this recruiting is going right now. But at the same time, guys, you just can't ignore. I've been saying this stuff for a couple of months now. Like, the transfer portal is something Oklahoma has been thinking about for a long time. This isn't some last-minute, oh, let's save you know some scholarships and we'll just go to the transfer portal. They knew that below this line, we're not interested in signing players. If they aren't of this level of, you know, a lot of schools will work on like a 6.9, 7.0 scale where they say, okay, this guy is a 6.6, we like him, we're not quite sure if we want to offer him. 6.7 and above, those are offer guys, we want those guys. And then, you know, 6.97, like those are the elite Adrian Peterson kind of guys. So you have a lot of that that kind of works, but what I think is interesting is you get these, um, there are times when Oklahoma has fallen below that line, and that's when you get these players that, Whenever they get on the field, Oklahoma fans are like, why did they take him? And then they come signing, they're like, well, we got to get some bodies here. Well, you can't have that both ways. And I understand you just want Oklahoma to go land all the elite guys, but that's not how it works when you're chasing the big fish. Alabama loses guys. Georgia loses guys. Clemson loses guys. I mean, that guy, guys, OU's got a guy in their class that was committed to Alabama and chose OU over them and is a defensive recruit. We can't say that in the last 20 years or 15 years. That, that's not been a f- sentence I could utter. So there, th- things are moving right, and I do. I, I think Oklahoma is being very progressive in the way they're looking at this. They're saying there is talent there that maybe has had a chance to prove itself. Maybe we know how they're going to handle it when they get to college, and maybe they just made a poor choice. This guy went to a school, you know, he went to Auburn and thought he was going to play for Gus Malzahn for four years. Well, that's not going to happen. Or he went to somewhere that, you know, they changed offensive coordinators and it doesn't really suit him anymore. There, there's all these reasons that make a lot of sense. And it's, I think Oklahoma is being very smart and not just saying, well, no, we don't want those guys because they've made transfers. We've talked about it on this pod, guys. Oklahoma's made transfer like not an ugly word anymore when it used to be such a oh that guy's a transfer he you know he'll never probably help but who knows maybe you get lucky and yeah well i mean guys remember when lynn magruder was like an outlier lynn magruder was oh hey a transfer that actually turned into a pretty good player now lynn magruder's not even a top five transfer to OU in the last 20 years like it's 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 funny how those things evolve and i think oklahoma's being very active in trying to find talent in places where other people aren't looking as hard. Oh, it, I mean, it definitely, somebody made a joke about it on the board, uh, I think in the past 48 hours. From where they are now to remembering where they were a few years ago, like, I, I, I think, and not to say they'll never go back to this school, but the Lackawanna days are are in the rearview mirror. I, there, there are brighter futures ahead. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and that's a perfect example, Eddie, of what I'm talking about, where OU has gone and just took a guy that they shouldn't have taken. L- look at, um, and I, Bob, help me, the linebacker from California they signed a couple of years ago that we all Jonathan knew were like, Parkins. nope. Yes, and you knew it. Like, I'm talking to our West Coast Don't guys and we're like, where he is. Don't no, know where he no. From the portal. I, I, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> any players out there listening, Guys, 
make sure you got a plan when you go in the portal. Like, don't just go in there and think everybody's coming for you. Like, it doesn't work like that. There are, there's, you know, it's it's musical chairs. There's a thousand seats and two thousand guys looking for a chair. Like, some people are going to get screwed on this deal. So make sure you know what you're actually worth and not just what you think you're worth. Well, guys, I know we got we got to wrap things up, so uh, I know we need to get to uh, a couple other things. Let's do that quickly before we get out of here. So I'm just before you be, be being hall monitor. You get out right? here, Josh. Let's let's talk about Kamar Wheaton. You mentioned Bird being a quiet recruit. They don't get any more quiet than than Wheaton. Still expect to announce the twenty third. You have an inkling that he's going to sign during the next three days, and then just wait till announce it next Wednesday. I I won't lie. I have heard a couple of things that I think are interesting in that regard, as far as him possibly signing. Now, I said a few weeks ago, or I guess about a week ago, when we were doing the pod, that I didn't think he was going to sign, and I had someone tell me, "Nope, there's no expectation of that, nada." But then. I start hearing other things. I'm like, well, maybe that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me that he wouldn't sign. Um, I would say it's a coin flip. I, I don't think he's made a decision. And if he has, he damn sure hasn't told anybody I know. So it, it is, I mean, it, it's the, why would Kamar Wheaton not end as mysteriously as he has lived his entire recruitment? I mean, it, it's one of those things that you just don't know. Now, the good news is for Oklahoma fans, whether he signs now or signs in February, I don't see any way it's not Oklahoma. Now, obviously, February's a long ways away. You'd rather have him, if you're Oklahoma or Oklahoma fan, you'd rather have him in the boat now and then announce on the 23rd and it's all good. I, I don't know. I mean, but the thing is, he keeps talking about schools that he's not talking to. I, I've said it before, I've said it before. He's got a top two of Alabama and Oklahoma. He hasn't talked to Alabama in close to two months. Like, I, I don't know what else to tell you about that. And I don't, like, I hate the idea of ruining a kid's moment, but like, you gotta sell it a little bit. Like, you gotta, you know, make it look good. It, there's nothing about this that comes off as a race. And that's the only thing that concerns me. Like, is the whole thing just a, a smoke screen and he's gonna sign with, TCU? I, I I don't know. Like I I don't think so. But that's the 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 extreme crazy wild card that we'll tell stories about for the next twenty five years is really the only way I don't see Kamar Wheaton ending up at Oklahoma. All right. Uh, that usually works out in Oklahoma's favor. So that's that's good news to end on. Yeah, yeah. Everybody will love that. Oh yeah, Josh screwed <laughs> us again. TCU? Kamar Wheaton's going to TCU? What the hell? They, they got Kamar Wheaton and Zach Evans. It's five-star you. What was it? Oh, I was watching. They had, uh, like, Trinity and uh, Pearland playing, like, from 2010. And Brandon mm-hmm. Carter was the quarterback for Trinity. Oh, and yeah, I was that... reminded how many, how many big time receivers have committed to OU and ended up at TCU. Two that I could think of, Jalen Rager and Brandon mm-hmm. Carter. Which Brandon Carter mm-hmm. was an athlete, wasn't he? Wasn't he yeah, they wanted defense? Carter to play DB. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Jalen Rager. I mean, it's it, you can't say it didn't work out for him, but man, as good as he was at TCU with how few opportunities he got, how do you not wonder what it would have looked like at Oklahoma? Like, just 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Jeremy Macklin. They made it where they were going to go anyway, but yep. they just didn't. Yeah, oh, sure. They were so good it didn't matter. But yeah. think about Rager opposite of Lamb. Oh, what do you God. do with that defensively? Well, we can't say, oh, well, they got Charleston Rambo. They didn't win that. No, <laughs> no, that that wasn't a win. I mean, he got Marquise, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown, that was the win. Yeah, yeah, that was the win. Exactly. But, uh, I mean, Marquise Brown for the win last night, you know? Hey. What a great game last night. I mean, that's what we deserved. I mean, after everything we've been through, all the cancellations, just a fantastic game. Although, I'm just sitting there thinking how Mark Andrews and Baker Mayfield are best friends, and, and Mark Andrews is just ripping Baker's heart out on that last drive. First down after first down. It's not every day I. It's not every day I cuss Baker Mayfield, but he he pretty much cost me some money last night, so I'm not real not real pleased with his work. It, no, it was Jarvis Landry that cost you the money. Ugh. <laughs> no, it. It would have been a push quarter, otherwise. No, 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 not not. I didn't bet on the line. Not, I uh, had a. Yeah. I I had some DraftKings action going on, and I needed Baker Mayfield to do piss poor and Mark Andrews to have a night, and uh, Baker didn't for about. Play. Yeah, for about two and a half quarters, I had a chance, and then Baker Mayfield woke up and just kicked the piss out of me. So, you know, it happens. If you'd, if you'd, you know, been around Baker for the three, four years, you would have known you never go against Baker. You never want to get on that list. You shouldn't even admit this right now. <laughs> yeah, if you were ever here, Josh, you totally would have known. <laughs> oh, here we go. God bless it, Bob, you ass. All right, so signing day coming up tomorrow. Uh, why get the cow? Why buy the cow when we just gave you the milk for free? Uh, just sign up anyway, all right? Uh, we need your money. Uh, Soonerscoop.com. Um, Dead Soxy. Support Dead Soxy. Uh, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. I said S-E-X-Y last time. I, people got on me. Uh, .com. Uh, Holiday Pro is that code for 41 no, 41, 35% off of your order. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, big day coming up tomorrow at the site. Stay tuned uh, for tons of content coming. We've got lists. We've got videos, uh, stories. All that stuff is coming. Thanks to uh, Josh McQuistian. Go celebrate little Layla's birthday. Wow. La- Layla's nice. birthday, who is three. Happy birthday, Layla. Uh, maybe she'll be one that wants to jump on the, the pod since oh, Laney never did. I, I will personally guarantee that shit. That will happen. We need to make that happen soon then. All right. Yep. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Eddie. And uh, we will see you guys again this week for the Big 12 preview. So another pod coming your way. But wanted to get this one out. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you guys uh, next time for our Iowa State preview, Big 12 championship preview, right here on the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com.